0: In life, there's many hills to climb. Sometimes you'll get in a bind,
1: but the day will come that'll bring you luck. Don't live too fast, just set your pace, and when it's over, you'll win the race. So hang on, boys, keep on chugging. And if it's 6 p.m. on a Thursday, that means it's time for Lehigh Valley Discourse. And we begin with Perspectives with John Pierce. Oh, we have that truck music to bring us in this evening. And guess why? Because my guest has a position that you probably have not heard of, and that is chaplain at a truck stop right here in Pennsylvania. Is it?
0: Yes, it is. Yes.
1: Is it on... No. Where, where is it?
0: <laughs> it's in New Jersey, in New right G- on the border. That's of what Pennsylvania. I thought. It was yeah, it's sorry in New about Jersey. That.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, on the border, up around Route 80.
0: Correct, right off Route 80.
1: Route 80. And this is uh, Reverend Sherry Blackman. Sherry is not a stranger to WDIY because uh, we're figuring that this is maybe your third time on the air with us. You've written books. And we've talked about other topics, but this one tonight is about being a chaplain at a truck stop. Sherry has written a book that is titled Rev It Up. Was that your idea the it title? Was. Well, it was. Well, congrats. Thank you. Because that is so <laughs> neat, as it with having to do with trucks and having to do with a reverend. Not right?
0: everybody picks up on that right away, which is kind of funny.
1: I Listen, I'm so proud I picked up on it right away. So... It's a book from uh, the year 2022. So it's pretty new and 223 pages and it's comprised of short chapters about Sherry's experiences with truckers who come along at the truck stop. And no chapel. There's no chapel. Is it a back room? Nope. No.
0: I'm in the restaurant.
1: At the in the restaurant, lunch mm-hmm. counter. Lunch counter, Basically.
0: tables, walk around, yes, but mostly at the counter.
1: Okay. So it's out in the open, and uh, here is uh, Reverend Sherry Blackman to help the truckers, I guess mentally and spiritually would be a way to put it.
0: Yeah. Also, so a lot of people think truck stop chap Well, they don't think because they don't know that truck stop have chaplains. Exactly. Not everyone has. right But we also are there to help strangers. We're there to help people who get stranded there and we help staff as well. Hmm. So it's not just for our truck drivers, although that's our predominant focus.
1: Right, what uh, inspired you to start this?
0: It's kind of a long story. Okay. Here's, so I'll give you a short version, as short as I can. Right. When I graduated from seminary in 2006, I started to write a column for a newspaper called Faith Matters, and I was looking for what different people were doing, didn't matter what faith tradition or no faith tradition, but how people were serving others. And so I happened to stumble across a letter that was about four years old in my own church about the truck stop ministry. So I called and I said, I'd really love to interview the chaplain. And they said, well, we don't have one right now, we're looking for one. And I said, I think I wanna do this. And I say that because I had a professor at seminary who was also talked about being a truck stop chaplain. And I found out a couple of years later that that was the exact same truck stop where I am, and it was started by a Methodist minister, and it's been going on since 1985. Right, and so so
1: you came into the picture. So I'm like, yeah, I
0: want to do this, and so they interviewed me on the phone, and they're like, I can't hire you on the phone. So I met with the board, and I've been there ever since.
1: Right, and so you started there at the truck stop what year?
0: 2006, August of 2006. Wow.
1: So now Sherry has written a book about her experiences at the truck stop, And she starts off with uh, the dedication. She says, I dedicate this book to truck drivers everywhere who behold the beauty of the earth, who love the open road, who endure the loneliness of the long haul. Thank you for bringing us our daily bread, our needed medicines, our wants and needs. Very nice. Thank you. That's the dedication at the beginning of this book called Rev It Up, Tales of a Truck Stop Chaplain. Sherry, you've already told us that uh, when you meet with folks, you are at the lunch counter. You might be having something to drink, something to eat yourself. Definitely. Are you in Reverend Frock, that people would identify you as a pastor?
0: When I first started there, I was scared to death because I had never even been to a truck stop before. But this particular truck stop, like many on the highway, have you know fast food restaurants, and then they have a sit down restaurant. They have showers. They have all kinds of accommodations uh, for drivers. And at the time, also they had a motel. So when I first started there, I was wearing my clerical collar because, as my friend said, I didn't want to be mistaken for a different kind of working woman. And that lasted for about three months. And then I w- then I shed the collar, and you no, know, I would just wear street clothes all the time. I was for a while wearing a. Name tag, I don't even do that anymore because I'm pretty well known, at least by the staff. And the hardest part of my position as a chaplain there is I often won't see a truck driver ever again, just once. Yes. A one-off you know, conversation mm. or encounter. So I'm also there, as I said before, for staff and for people who get stranded and drivers sometimes get stranded there too.
1: Right. Let me tell our listeners that Sherry is an attractive blonde woman. <laughs> And so that's why I asked the question about wearing some frock that would distinguish you, uh, because otherwise, you might get propositions that you are not looking for.
0: Even if I was wearing a collar, it wouldn't stop them. Oh my goodness! From propositioning me, right. honestly. Whoa! It's sort of the you know atmosphere of a truck stop, honestly. <laughs> you kind of you gotta kind of gotta have a good sense of humor and yeah. be strong.
1: Right. And so Sherry has all kinds of experiences with the drivers who come through, through the book. I haven't counted the number of chapters that you have in here, Sherry, but pick out one at least to get started here, somebody who's memorable.
0: You know, they're all memorable. Honestly, if you gave me a title out of one of these, I'll almost tell you exactly the story. I will tell you probably the one that struck, well, there's several, of course, but There was one uh, entitled in here about a man, it's called Valley of Dry Bones, and it was about an 80-something-year-old man who was still driving an 18-wheeler from the west to the east traveling and bringing Christmas trees. And his name was Dan, and that is his real name. So I sat down with him one night, and he was telling me how he was a soldier during World War II, and he was One of the units that was sent in to liberate a concentration camp, and he went in and he said there was nobody there, but the ground was freshly turned over, so they started to dig. And they found a mass grave, but they found one person who was buried alive. Oh. And they they revived him, or they brought him out of the, the grave. And this is what was so fascinating to me. So you're talking 50, 60 years after this happened to him. And he said, I think about that man every day. Oh. And he picked up his knife and he turned it on the side. And he said, that's how thin the man was. So that struck me. And also the fact that he was still driving in his 80s because he had medical bills that he couldn't afford to pay unless he was working. Right. Then there was also a man who I will never forget, who was a Vietnam War veteran, who was about to retire. And he was very quiet, never looked me in the eye hardly. And he was just talking. He asked me what a chaplain does. And so I explained to him what a chaplain does. And then he started to talk about how his uncle had been a chaplain. And I'm not going to say what kind of chaplain he was, just for privacy's sake. And after a while, he said, my uncle sexually abused his son. Hmm. And he said it ruined his life, the, the boy's life. And then he paused for a minute. And then he said... And he sexually abused me, too. And then he started breaking down, crying at the counter. And then he said over and over again, I've never told anyone that. And he was talking about how he was afraid to go home because, and retire because he'd never really emotionally connected with anybody. So that's how it was framed. And then when he was talking about being sexually abused, and I felt like maybe him saying it out loud, maybe, maybe he could start his way back to feeling that he could connect with others and his wife. And that just, you know, easy to tell strangers things sometimes, right? Yes. So that was very, very moving to me. And right. we also have had a wedding at the truck stop and a baptism at the truck stop. So there's been a lot of fun things as well as really hard things.
1: That's neat. My guest this evening on Perspectives is Reverend Sherry Blackman. She is a pastor at the Church of the Mountain in Delaware, Delaware Water, Water Gap, Gap. Yes. As well as chaplain. Now, your chaplaincy at the truck stop is once a week.
0: Yes, I'm there. I'm on call 24 seven, but I'm there in person Wednesdays around five.
1: So you do get called other days. Oh and yeah, other I do.
0: Times. Yeah, because right. the, the, a lot of staff will say we have somebody here needs to get on their way. We don't. Can you help? Right. Or they. Whatever, yeah. So.
1: How long does it take you to go from where, where I you am? live? Uh,
0: yeah. 20 minutes, oh. not far. 20 minutes. Yeah, or so. it's closer for, to the church, actually. Okay.
1: So. In the book, along with the stories of the truckers, as you've just heard, a couple of them from uh, Reverend Sherry Blackman, she also quotes folks like Leo Tolstoy, John Jakes. Thornton Wilder, Our Town, my favorite play, and she does that at the beginning of each chapter, and then uh, here's a C.S. Lewis, The Safest Road to Hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. C.S. Lewis. And then she goes into that particular experience with the trucker. Sherry Tell us a little bit about how you have come to write the book. I'm curious about whether just after you have met with somebody, do you go and take notes right away so that you have that for the book, or do you ruminate on it some weeks later you put it together?
0: So I, before I became a minister or a chaplain, I was a journalist. So I was used to paying attention to the conversation, taking mental notes, taking regular notes. Oftentimes after a conversation, I would take notes. Sometimes I might even tape it on my phone. Can We can do that now. And I started, actually, the day I began at the truck stop, the night I began at the truck stop, I started to take notes because I knew when I started that ministry that I was going to write about it. I just knew it. You know how you have those? You just, just <laughs> knew this is what you're going to have to do. And uh, You know, in the book it talks about how it came to be that I was there, and many of the reasons that I felt, even in my great discomfort, propelled to go and stay outside my comfort zone, and so I've been there since 2006, a long time.
1: Right, when you came to the Church of the Mountain to be the pastor there, you had to clear this with the with the congregation. Is it all right if I do the yes. truck stop ministry? Yes. Was there any pushback on that?
0: Yes, there was a little bit because they thought it would take my energies and fat focus away. But I was pretty insistent on it. Now I have people from that church who meet me there every Wednesday. Oh, who so what's changed there over the years is that we now at seven o'clock. So I'm in there at five to talk to drivers. At 7 o'clock, there's a small gathering of people from different churches, different denominations, some with no faith tradition at all, who gather at 7 o'clock for Bible studies so that drivers can have a community on the road that they can come to share faith with, have conversations. So we meet there for about an hour and a half, and we've had a lot of drivers specifically trying to get back there on Wednesdays to join us. Yeah. So we do have a Bible study there as well as time just to have conversation. I'm
1: trying to picture the Bible study around a, a re-
0: table. So we go into a different part of the restaurant. And you know what? The staff loves having us there. They really do. Mm-hmm. So we've become a fixture, if you will, there. Yes. <laughs> it's been awesome.
1: Well, it's time for us to take a break here on Perspectives. My guest this evening is Reverend Sherry Blackman, who is— chaplain at truck stop in New Jersey, just over the border from Pennsylvania on Route 80, or just off Route 80. And she is, um, I mean, it's a fantastic corner of, I guess, of of the profession of being a pastor to, to be a chaplain at a truck stop. And I think a little extra something in there, being a woman at a truck stop, where you're dealing mostly with men.
0: Well, there's a lot of women drivers, too. Well, some. Mm -hmm. Some. But, you know, in a way, I think it's worked for me because I feel that I can be a maternal presence, in a sense, a sisterly presence, that maybe men will say things to me that they wouldn't necessarily say to another man.
1: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Break time, folks. Stay with us. It's Perspectives, John Pierce. And our esteemed engineer this evening is Sarit Lashinsky. Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. Celtic Fair, a celebration of Celtic music and culture from its roots in Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Brittany, and Galicia to its branches in Australia, Cape Breton, Canada, Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, and the Lehigh Valley. Music, interviews, and a weekly culture calendar every Thursday from 7 to 9 here on WDIY. The book is called Rev It Up, Tales of a Truck Stop Chaplain. The author is Sherry Blackman, a pastor of the Church of the Mountain here in Delaware Water Gap. The book is a collection of stories from the crossroads of saints and serial killers told by a chaplain who has served at this truck stop since 2006. Sherry Blackman shows up again as a spiritual investigative reporter in this series of quick, graphic, gritty, and insightful tales of road warriors, those who serve them and those who find themselves lost at different intersections of life. I like the way that's stated. Stories that unveil the holy and the unholy. I'm inclined to say, having read some of them, more unholy than holy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's a few holy ones there, too.
1: The humorous and the tragic and illuminates a universal truth that we all need and deserve to be seen, heard, cared for, loved, and nurtured. Very, very well said there. Truck drivers, you say here, Sherry, some two million strong, bring us seven out of ten items we depend on and spend one half of their lives behind the wheel traversing deserts, mountains, lone stretches, main arteries, and blue highways, What's a Blue Highway?
0: It was taken off Jack Kerouac, wasn't it? Oh, no. Uh, blue Highway?
1: Is it, is it a song?
0: It's <laughs> a song I and a book, actually. I don't I'm thinking, was it William Lees Moon that wrote it? Anyway, yeah, no. Whatever. Okay.
1: It's, it's in there. That's, that's one that got They can past look it me. up. <laughs> no, just kidding. Diver, uh, delivering the abundant life that most of us assume will always be within a Walmart reach. Without this industry, our economy would be paralyzed. Yet most of us go about our daily lives without acknowledging these brave kings and queens of the highway. So let's go to an interesting page in the book, which is called Reverend Blackman's Top Ten Truck Stop List. Let's go with the with the list. You want me to read it? Sure.
0: So number one, a lot lizard is not a reptile.
1: Okay, what is it?
0: It's a working woman,
1: w- working you, the lot. Did you make me promise before we went on the air I wouldn't ask <laughs> yes. that question? Yes, you <laughs> did.
0: Yeah, yeah. so you know, everybody always a lot asks lizard. me.
1: I do not know that.
0: Yeah, thing. so a lot of people would ask me when I started if I go out to the parking lot and knock on truck drivers' doors. No, I do not do that. Okay, number two, loneliness. You want me to keep reading? Yes. Loneliness is a disease that often leads to other diseases. Just a note, according to research, American truck drivers were the leading cause of the spread of AIDS in the United States.
1: Oh.
0: Okay, number three. Be careful what you wear to a truck stop or you may be mistaken for a different kind of working woman. Number four. To-go coffee cups come in gallon size containers.
1: All right. Why do you put that in there?
0: Because you've never seen a to-go cup.
1: No. <laughs> like, it's, it's a cup and it's a gallon <laughs> yes.
0: size. It's a to-go, yes. Whoa. Okay, number five. If truck drivers drive long enough, they will tell you that the road becomes their mistress. Number six. For a truck driver, retiring means getting new treads on those wheels, shifting into overdrive, and trucking another million miles.
1: Now, let's stop on that one. That's retiring.
0: Yeah. They don't retire.
1: (laughs) They never retire. Well,
0: some some have to, but no, most of them do not. You know, once you get the road in your blood— It's hard to sit still.
1: Okay, that's your point there.
0: Yeah. Number seven, truck drivers are road angels, though some are the fallen kind. They will be the first ones to stop and help out if you break down on the side of the road and the first ones to strand you along the road if you prove to be difficult. (laughs) Number eight, if you listen long and hard enough to these kings and queens of the road, almost every conversation will come around to God all on its own. Oh, Number 9, truck stop waitresses know the name of every truck driver. It's either honey or sweetheart.
1: <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> and number
0: 10, if you are a woman truck driver, it's best to run to and from your truck when you leave your cab while parked at a truck stop. Truck drivers are not honking because they love Jesus. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this said by the chaplain <laughs> <Of course. laughs> by the Reverend Sherry Blackman. Yes. Uh, so If you're a woman truck driver, do most women truck drivers drive solo, or are they usually with a man? Most drivers are driving solo. Most drivers in general are solo. Yes. And that holds for women also. Yes. Do you have sometimes two women together?
0: I've never known two women to drive together. Sometimes Mm -hmm. two drivers will drive together because they're going to— drive straight, and a driver is only allowed to drive so many hours. Yes. Used to be able to write in your logbook. Now they have electronic logbooks, so you can't fudge them oh, anymore. Oh, oh. So that yeah. has changed a lot. And, you know, uh, one thing that I don't know if I mentioned in the book, but years ago, years and years ago, you'll notice that truck drivers had terrible teeth because they were sucking on toothpicks that were had amphetamines on it. Oh. So they would drive and drive and drive and drive. And so the law has cracked down a lot. Now you have way stations where they make you, they actually search your trucks. And how many
1: hours can a driver drive? I
0: believe it's 11 hours. And then they have to stop for a certain number of hours. For like eight hours, correct.
1: Yes. Um, Either Honey or Sweetheart, Uh, the name of every truck driver. Actually, that's a name that is put on me when I go to a diner.
0: Is that right? Around
1: town. Oh, Mm -hmm. yes. Oh, yes. Here you are, honey. (laughs) Be right back, sweetheart.
0: Darling, yes. There there you go. Yes.
1: Uh, I'm interested in the one, if you listen long and hard enough, uh, almost every conversation will come around to God all on its own.
0: So as a chaplain, I am not there to proselytize. I'm there to listen. We call this a ministry of presence. So when I am... When This is the greatest lesson I've ever learned as a, as a pastor and as a journalist because journalists have a lot of questions and I can fire off questions till... The
1: cows you know, come home.
0: Yeah, till the cows come home, right? And so when I am sitting at the counter, I might ask a question or two to start the conversation to see if they're even interested in having a conversation. But what I've learned, if I learn to be quiet and just listen and be attentive, that person then earns trust or you earn their trust, and then they can start to divulge things that are underneath everything else. And so the deepest things in us come out, just like that person who confessed, but also I think the things that concern us the most, the meaning and purpose of life and God. And yeah, so I have never had to lead that question. I never have to start there and say, oh, are you a person of faith? If they're sharing with me some tragedy that they've experienced or some crisis that they're in, you know, I might ask them, you know, are you a person of faith? Is that helping you through? But no, I have learned that I have never, I don't even have to even try to guide it. It just happens all on its own.
1: It happens on its own.
0: I think we should all learn to do that. I should do a better job of it, too.
1: Now, at the end of each of these short chapters, for instance, there's one that's called Highway to Hell and Back Again. That's on page 21. The quotation is from Joseph Conrad. The real significance of crime is in its being a breach of faith with the community of mankind. Well, that sounds very spiritual. And your reflection at the end of that chapter, would you read it for us?
0: During moments of loss and tragedy, we often turn to faith. We witnessed this after 9-11 and during COVID-19 and other tragedies yet like Brett one of the drivers I'm dr- talking about in this chapter many of us leave faith behind when life settles down or feels safe again what then is faith
1: and so she ends with a question what then is yeah faith?
0: there you go so you know one of the a friend of mine was reading the book before it was published and she said you know it's so frustrating for me because you never have an end to the story you have that moment in time you tell a story but you really never know what happens next So I think adding the reflection helps us to kind of bring it back home again.
1: Yes, indeed. Let's go to page 35. And would you read a little bit, starting with I Learned?
0: So this is a story about Cal, who is an older gentleman who (laughs) constantly stepped over the sexual ethics lines as far as always trying to tell me dirty jokes and stuff like that. Uh. Cal, yeah. So... But he would call me when he came back from the road if he was at the truck stop, so we'd grab coffee together. So this is what I, how I end the story. I learned from Cal that when a truck driver retires, it has nothing to do with getting off the road. It means retire, get new treads on those wheels, and add another 100,000 miles. And every time you break down, truck, body, or soul, do what you must to hit the road again. He wanted me to see him as a viable man with all his drives in place. I respected that and him. In early 2010, a couple of weeks after he told me he was going for knee surgery, he called my office. I knew it was him because his name and phone number showed up, but he slurred his words and his tongue was inarticulate. I wondered if he had had a stroke either before surgery or after. I tried calling him after that but was never able to reach him. Maybe his family took his cell phone away or maybe he died. But I see him still, a younger, older man, limping through the parking lot, his thick head of hair slicked back with vitalis. I feel his rough hands slide down my arm and land on my love handle as if they are an emergency brake to hold on to this slippery life. Wow. Yeah, because we'd always Great. hug goodbye. So.
1: Great writing. Thank you. And then your reflection at the end of that chapter, Sherry, please.
0: Each generation passes judgment on the one before it trying to correct the injustices, and rightly so. But might we also extend grace to the generations before us, as each generation is imprinted by the culture of its time and did not have the benefit of today's view, and told those who come before us with empathy, knowing that we too will be judged.
1: And that's a question.
0: Yes, of course. They're all questions.
1: (laughs) Okay, so you're full of questions and have basically no answers.
0: I have answers, but I want them to answer. I want the reader reader to think about this. I'm kind of hoping that this would be a good book for people to have open discussions with, too, right? Take the story and then talk (laughs) about those things.
1: Good. And let's uh, end our little chat here about talking about the um, hiking ministry that you are deeply involved in with the Church of the Mountain.
0: Right. So we get about 1,200, 1,500 hikers who stay with us a year. We provide them shelter, shower, bathroom, places to tent if they prefer to sleep outside, bunk room, et cetera. But we, so occasionally I will bring one of our hikers to the truck stop, so there is a connection here. Last August we had our first 9-11 Memorial Trail hiker. Starts at the Pentagon, goes up to Shanksville, Pennsylvania, goes to New York City, and then back down to the Pentagon. It's a 1,200 mile trail. Last year, we had our first hiker from that trail stay with us. His trail name was Whisper because he was very soft-spoken. He was 28 years old. He was going blind from a brain injury that he suffered in Iraq, and he was walking with a service dog. And so I was talking with him. He was so fascinating to me. So I invited him to go to the truck stop. So he came to the truck stop and shared his story with our Bible study group it was kind of interesting because one of the young men there, not really young, middle-aged man, said, you know, I always wonder: is it okay to go up and say thank you for your service? Is it, you know, is it weird? So he said, no, no, not at all. So I said to the young man, Lance, I said, Lance, why don't you thank him for his service? So he reached his hand over, across somebody else, and shook his hand. And I, I don't think there was a dry eye around the group because mm-hmm. this man had suffered so much, <clears throat> had lost so much, and was losing so much. So it was really a wonderful way to kind of meld both ministries. And one thing I love about the truck stop, which has changed since COVID, which is kind of interesting, ever since we came back into being at the truck stop two years ago, because for about a year, the restaurant was closed, I found that drivers are more isolated, but our Bible study group is more engaged than ever, and now come and eat dinner and talk to drivers. So there is like... There's about 12 of us, and they're all coming. Most of them are coming for dinner, like eight of us. And so there's this, all this fellowship that happens beforehand. And it's almost, you remember the show Cheers, and you'd walk yeah, in? Sure. And so they walk in. It was like, Mike, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Anne-Marie. Norm. Yeah, yeah, Norm, right? So right. it's been uh, a really interesting study in the power and the essentialness, essentialness? Essential need for community.
1: Reverend Sherry Blackman has been my guest this evening on Perspectives. I'm John Pierce. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember, until we meet again, to be gentle with your neighbor. There's many
0: hills to climb. Sometimes you'll get in a bind, but the day will come
1: that'll bring you luck. Don't lift too fast, just set your pace, and when it's over you'll win the race. So hang on, boys, keep on chugging. If you enjoyed this program, please go to WDIY.org or the WDIY app to share or become a WDIY member.